Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Good morning to you. My name's Kieran. I'm one of the pastors here. We've been going through a teaching series over the last few weeks, uh, just some excellent talks which I encourage you to go back and look at on YouTube or listen to online. Uh, we're looking at a series called Go Global, which is really thinking beyond the four walls of this church building into a, a much, much wider world. This morning, I was uh, just standing at the back and my lovely daughter Lucy came in with her equally lovely husband, Sam. And they said, oh, come and sit with us, Dad. He didn't call me Dad, but Lucy <laughs> come and sit with us. So I went and sat with them and she just reached over just before I came up to the stage here and said, look, Dad, look, Dad. She had a notebook and a pen. She said, I brought a notebook to take notes. Sam said, you won't need that. He's right. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. So in a moment, we're going, to, we're going to read from the Bible in Mark chapter 15. I want to refer to that. So uh, the words hopefully will come up on the screen and I'll, I'll be reading it out. So if you're watching at home, you can look it up if you want or just listen. The words will come up. Um, so if you think about this, this going global series, uh, I've had the privilege of really going global. Uh, some of you will know uh, my son Jack, he's spoken here, was on staff for a while. Uh, he got married two weeks ago to a lovely young lady called Abigail, and uh, that was a great thrill for us as a family and friends. Uh, they got married here in the UK, but because she's American, we had, we had a home fixture, and then we had an away fixture. Now, I think we won on aggregate, but I do believe uh, that both were, <laughs> you know, absolutely, I mean, to be honest, they were fantastic times. But her folks, um, when, when Jack and Abby met, she was living in Seattle, but her folks live in California. So I've just, along with Sam and Lucy, uh, John and Rosalunt came with us, other family members came with us. We flew out to uh, Los Angeles, so I've just come back from Los Angeles. So that sense of going global, I mean, you know, I don't get out much. You know, I'm normally in bed by about 8 o'clock, you know, so for me to go to California is quite a big thing. I know some of you travel all the time. But I thought I'd just start by saying one of my favorite moments. So we had this amazing wedding here, such a privilege. And then Abigail's mum and dad, Mike and Kirsten, the most beautiful people ever, they hosted a party uh, in their house for about 70 of their friends and family. And it was, it was quite a posh do. They live in Orange County. It's quite a nice sort of place, quite a posh do. And I'm chatting to some of Abigail's friends, Abby's friends, and this lady comes up. Now, now, Jack had told me, you've got to meet this lady called Donna, okay? And um, we, we have cultural stereotypes, don't we? Do we? We do, don't we? So the Americans have cultural stereotypes about us Brits, and we have some for them. Now, I have to say that actually a lot of those stereotypes aren't true for either nation or whatever nation you're from. But this lady, Donna, she kind of fitted some of the cultural stereotypes. Jack said, you've got to meet Donna. She's the most fun you can have on planet Earth. In fact, I don't know if I should say this. I'm going to say this. She said, she's like Caro, <laughs> which is lovely. Now, the bit I was a little bit nervous that Caro, I can't see about saying was, she's like Caro, but louder. <laughs> <laughs> So if you heard Carol's laugh, it's amazing. But anyway, so I'm talking to these two, two um, 
Friends of Abbey's, and this lady comes up and she goes, Kieran, Kieran, I, I just, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. I've heard all about you. And I said, oh, it's so nice to meet you. She goes, I'm Dana, I'm Dana. And th this is a really bad impression of somebody who's American, so I do apologize. She goes, I'm Dana. And I said, listen, Donna, I'll come and speak to you in a minute, if that's okay. I've heard all about you, loves me. So I sat down with her. She goes, oh, it's such a delight to meet you. You know, Jack, he's so lovely. He's so handsome. He's really good looking. She didn't say he looks like me. He's, you know... <laughs> Just overflowing, and then she goes, I've got a question for you, I've got a question for you. I said, yeah, yeah, go for it. She goes, do you know Paul McCartney? <laughs> Isn't, I mean, that is just my favorite moment, because I don't know what she thinks about England. I think she just thinks it's like a village or something that we all live in. So I told her, I said, I don't, but. Now, I've got a very good friend, Robin, who uh, has a, business called Vegetarian Shoes, and, and he made shoes for Paul McCartney's wedding. And I told her this. Honestly, it was like she died and gone to heaven. She just, like, it was like one person removed from Paul McCartney almost, you know. So, But as we think about, you know, look, where are you going to find yourself this week? Where are you going to find yourself later today? As we think about going global, I've had the privilege of, of traveling to a place I never thought I'd go to. But where... Are you going to find yourself after this? Maybe it is just in your home. Maybe it's local. Maybe you could be watching this. I know we have people watching some of our talks on the other side of the world. Where, where, where are you going to find yourself? Maybe in an unexpected place. Certainly for us, we never realized Jack was going to meet an American. We never realized we're going to have a wedding. We never realized we're going to end up in the other side of the world. So I'd like us just to look for a moment at the, at the Bible, a book called Mark, Mark chapter 15, and I'm going to read some verses from there. The context of this Bible passage that we're going to read from is Jesus has been betrayed, he's been put on trial, he's been beaten, flogged, and then we get to this moment in Mark 15 and verse 20. And it says this, And when they'd mocked him, this was the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, when they'd mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place on the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, and he did not take it. And there they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. And they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him, and the written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. Now, unusually this morning, I, I want to just refer back to the other passages that talk about this, because each of the four accounts we have of Jesus' life, they, they, they mention this. So in Mark 27, the words aren't going to come up, so if you just listen, at Mark 27 it says uh, this, um, if I can find it. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. 
they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, and there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. And after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the written charge was placed above him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. You might be wondering why I, well, that's similar to what I've just read. Why am I reading that again? Because each account is slightly different. And one of the things I'd love us to do this morning is to place ourselves, if we can, maybe in your imagination, to place yourself in this scene with a hostile crowd. This man, Simon of Cyrene, going on his way, being asked to carry the cross. And then in Luke's account, we hear this. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country. And they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And then lastly, in John's account of Jesus' life, interestingly, he doesn't, he doesn't refer to Simon at all. This is what he says, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus, and this is what it says, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. So what do we know about this scene? Well, I've mentioned there was, there was a trial. Jesus was put on trial completely innocent, went willingly to his execution but we hear about this Simon of Cyrene. Where's Cyrene? Well, it's in modern-day Libya. So if you can picture the Mediterranean just along the North African coast where Libya is, that's where he was from. They speculate maybe there was a kind of Jewish community locally in Jerusalem. But it would take about 17 days to walk from Cyrene all the way to Jerusalem if that's where he came from. What else did we pick up from those passages? Well, actually, he's, he's not going to watch somebody get executed. It says he's on his way in from the country. He's, he's making his own way. He's just on a journey. He's just going his own way. And I don't know if you know this, but the Romans, they were the occupiers. They could tell anybody that, right, you now, you have to go this one mile doing this thing. So have you heard the expression, go the extra mile? When the Bible, Jesus said, if you're asked to go one mile, go the extra mile. Because by, they could just force people to do something. So he's, he's on his way, and they grab him. Now, it's clearly from John's account, we can see that Jesus was carrying his own cross. It's believed that it wouldn't have been the complete cross. It would have been just the, the cross beam that would have been tied to Jesus' arms but also nails would have been put through as well at one point. And it says Jesus was carrying his own cross, and I guess with the, 
Roman flogging he'd received. He got to the point where through loss of blood, through lack of sleep, through the torment, he got too weak to carry his own cross and they would have grabbed this man coming in from the country, forced him to carry it. And they take him to the place of the skull, Golgotha. What was it like for him? So he's not there for that. Where was he going? Well, it says he was coming in for the country, he's passing through, and they grabbed him. Where will you find yourself when you leave this building or you turn off YouTube or whatever it is? Where will you find yourself? What place will you find yourself? Where will God put you if you follow God? Where a surprising, maybe encounter with Jesus might happen. Where will you find yourself? Even this week, where God might surprise you with an encounter. You might have noticed it, but I've got, I've got a prop with me here today. Let me just try and carry this onto the stage. I wanted to bring this. This is something that was up in the, in the plant room. In fact, Nigel, I asked Nigel, I was sharing office with Nigel, I asked him a bizarre question, said, have got a railway sleeper lying about, have you? Because actually this, this is the cross light. This is like, this isn't what it was like. But in some ways, I want us this morning, or whenever you're watching this, I want us to take a few moments to pause at the cross. The reason I wanted to read the other accounts, Simon and Cyrene, one of the accounts in Luke's Gospel said, they forced Jesus to carry the cross. They forced him to walk behind, sorry, they forced Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross and they forced him to walk behind Jesus. Can you imagine what that must have been like? It said in our Bible reading that Simon of Cyrene, this man from North Africa, the father of Alexander and Rufus. So scholars believe that, well, hang on a sec, if Mark is writing to, he was writing to a Roman audience, it's believed, he's saying, Simon of Cyrene, you know Simon of Cyrene, he's the father of Rufus and Alexander. In fact, Rufus gets a mention in Romans 16, verse 13. We don't know if it's the same Rufus elsewhere in the New Testament. Alexander gets a mention. We don't know if it's the same one. But it's very likely that this chance encounter that Simon of Cyrene has with the crucified Lord leads to his conversion. And his own son's conversion. You know, it's, it's kind of strange. <laughs> so I was here on Wednesday. I was just sort of praying, God, help me with, with this talk this morning. And uh, so I asked Nigel, oh, you haven't got to And then I remembered that when we did the prayer room, we had this in the prayer room upstairs. Somebody made it. And I thought, I, so I went in the plant room and I asked, 
I asked Cara, is anybody in the hall? And they said, well, there's some hires just setting up, but you know, if you need, because I thought, right, I want to get it from the plant room down to here and have it here. So I'm carrying it through the hall, and there's a whole load of hires here, and I'm carrying it, and they said, oh, be careful with that. It just struck me as so strange. And there was a whole group, and I said, do you know, there was one that was much more painful that was carrying this. I didn't stop talking, you know, I mean, it's heavy. So I'm carrying it in, and then one of them was, was getting some chairs out, and I, I just got chatting, and I said, look, don't lift the chairs, you need the trolley, explain they're really heavy, you know, and, you know, just conversation. She told me she's from Kenley, and I used to, years ago, go gliding when I was in Kenley. So we have this conversation, we're having this conversation, and then I said to her, but she saw me carrying this in, I said, don't you think it's ironic that I'm carrying this? I said, I'm doing a talk here on Sunday. Don't you think it's ironic? Because actually the group that we're in, they were the blood donors. So I said to her, I said, don't you think it's ironic that I'm here carrying a cross in and you blood donors are here? Because I said, I'm going to talk about Jesus. And I said, oh, you probably know, but I said to her, do you know, nails were driven through his arms, his feet, and there was bloodshed. She goes, yeah, I can see. See, I, I didn't plan that. I'm just trying to think, God, don't let me mess up on Sunday. That's what I'm thinking. But somehow I choose the moment to pick the cross up, to carry it through, to have the conversation. Where will God find you? Where will you carry the cross to today? Simon was given this amazing privilege of taking the cross to where it needed to be. If you know Jesus this morning, where is it that he might just give you a nudge to carry the cross, the good news of Jesus? You see, What's the cross about? Maybe you're watching this or you're not familiar with the Christian message. The cross is about God coming in human form, dying in our place, dying for the sins of the world, the perfect sacrifice, his blood shed on a cross, so we can know God and be forgiven to know new life, to be embraced into his family. What George, what you shared, is so powerful. You know, God is a God, if you weren't here and didn't hear, George said, God is a God who chases lost causes. Oh, come on, I'm a lost cause. He came looking for me. Yeah, he's looking for you. If you don't know God, he's looking for you. And like Simon we follow along behind the crucified Lord. It's interesting in the Gospels, it talks about picking up your cross and following. Jesus said, anyone who comes after me must pick up their cross and follow after me. Where would God want you to carry the cross to? Yeah, one of the... Um, one of the places we went to, so I mentioned we went to Los Angeles. I'll oh, stop banging on about that. 
<laughs> well, you yeah, haven't been to Los Angeles. It's all right for you, you know. But <laughs> when, when we landed, Jack and Abby were on the same flight as us, and they said, we've got to take you to our favourite burger place. So, you know, it's like jet lag and that. I, I didn't know if it was breakfast, dinner, lunch, or whatever it was. But we landed, we got picked up at the airport, it's wonderful, and we got taken to a place called In-N-Out Burger. And uh, they said, oh, gee, you're British, you know, and they gave me one of the staff hats. <laughs> which I was really chuffed about, you know. I mean, it, just great. And I'm not, I'm not really a burger person. I'm more kind of like a mashed potatoes sort of man, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't really go to, to burger places and stuff like that, but we went and, and it was great. But I don't know if you know this, In-N-Out Burger, it was, I think it was started in the late 40s, by some Christians. And what they're known for is that they uh, print Bible verses on all their kind of wrapping stuff. So we, we had a bag of chips, or French fries, I believe they're called. Uh, we had a bag of chips and it had Revelation 3.20 written on it, which says this. Behold, this is Jesus. Behold... I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Revelation 3.20. And there was other Bible verses on it. Now look, I, I don't know. I don't know what their story is. I don't know whether anybody has come to know Jesus by seeing that written on there and then looking it up on their phone or, or whatever. But what I do know is, as George says, God is a God who chases after lost causes. See, my, my gut feeling is I think every means of sharing Jesus with people I think is wonderful. I'm not knocking that. But the reality is Christ is in you and me, if you're a believer here today, the hope of glory. What does that mean? That means you and I are the incarnation of Jesus. We're coming up to Christmas. We think about the incarnation. What that means is God coming in human form on this earth as a baby. We think about that at Christmas time. You and I are the incarnation, the living, breathing incarnation of the risen Christ. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Somehow, we reflect Jesus to the people that are around us. We may not even be aware of it. And I think the reality is, I think a Bible verse on a thing is, is fine and great, and I'm pleased for that. But the reality is the, probably the most significant Bible passage anybody's read is your life and my life. You don't even know the good you're doing to the people that are around you, how you're bringing in God's kingdom. As Wendy read that lovely passage from Daniel about the kingdom of heaven advancing. You know, your kindness, your smile, you taking time maybe to help somebody when nobody else has helped them. You know, the things that you do and the, who you are is radiating Jesus to people. You know, there's a guy that I, I know who's an evangelist. He's called um, Mark Ritchie. And uh, in fact, he spoke, I think he spoke at the church years ago before I was in this church. Mark Ritchie's an amazing communicator. He actually does a stand-up show. He's just a Scottish guy, really, really funny. Does a stand-up show at the Edinburgh, Edinburgh um, Fringe or Festival, whatever it's called. Um, a few years ago, he felt prompted to bring the cross to people, carry the cross to people. So he made, or got made, 
a cross which was like made of hollow tubes. I meant to get the picture and put it up. It was like, like made of wire mesh and hollow tubes with some straps, and he put it on his back. And he walked 700 miles. He walked the length of Britain, um, north, south, and then east, west, to make the shape of the cross. And as he walked, he, he was speaking in different places and having opportunities, no doubt, to share in churches and in pubs and clubs. And as he walked, he... He gave people, he said, look, the reason Jesus came was this, to take our sins upon the cross. And he had post-it pads with him. And as he met people and said, what are you doing? He explained the amazing love of Jesus. And they could write, if they wanted to, their sins on a post-it pad and place them in the cross. He said 13,000 people did that. Now, look, please, you might think, well, that's just weird, walking around Britain with a cross. You know, I'm not saying that that's what you and I should do, but what I'm saying is we live in a hurting world. People that are just crying out for some hope. 13,000 people think, you know, I'm carrying stuff I don't want to carry. I want to give that to Jesus. Where am I going to carry the cross to this week? We're thinking about a global series. Where, where are you going to find yourself? Who are you going to rub shoulders with? Look, I'm, I'm being really honest. I went to California. I went on holiday. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I'm being honest. I get tired. I just wanted to spend time with my friends and family. I wasn't like, oh, where's the next person that doesn't know Jesus and I want to talk to them? But somehow my heart and just God, you know how reluctant I am sometimes, but sometimes like when I'm carrying the cross into the building, I'm not trying to talk to anybody, just trying to do something that helps me with my talk. And then this lady comes across my path. Or when I'm in Los Angeles airport thinking, right, we've got a 10-hour flight back home. And Sarah, my wife, we said, I said, shall I get a coffee? We can share it because we're tight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm queuing at Starbucks. I'm looking at the queue. It's a 10-hour queue. <laughs> so I started queuing. And I was clean-shaven. I had a beard by the end of it. You know, it's just one of those cues. And then there's a moment when I'm in the queue, and I remember back the last time I flew, I thought, oh, no, they need, like, your boarding card or whatever when you, when you fly. So I've been queuing for half my life here. And I thought, oh, no. So I said to the lady behind me, I said, do you need your boarding pass to buy a coffee? Because I know in the UK, I remember when I used to fly a lot, I had to do that. She goes, don't think so. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. I said, what do I do? Because I didn't have it with me. It was back where Sarah was. So, so I said, look, can you hold my place a minute? So I slipped under the, the kind of roping thing, and I said to the staff member, do you need a boarding pass? And she just looks at me like, you weirdo. You know, no, you don't. So I thought, that's good news. So I went back. I started this conversation with this lady called Linda from Tasmania, and she was telling me all about the 3,000 miles that she drove. And I said, oh, it's really interesting. I said, I've been here for a wedding. And I just... 
said something about being a Christian. I can't remember what it was. I said, oh, you know, I'm going back. I've got to be at church on Sunday or something like that. Nothing. She wasn't interested. So I'm like, God, I think this is a moment. What do I say? And I don't know if you're in those moments. I don't know what to say. So here's what I said to her. I said, you know, I said, like as a Christian, what can I pray for you for? Then she told me, and I did my best as I got on the, in fact, when I thought of her, I said, Lord, please. And this lady, she was kind enough to talk to me to keep my place in the queue. Yeah, I, mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned, but John and Ros Lunt, did I mention this came with us uh, on this? So they, weren't, they were staying about 30 miles away from where we were. And they said this most amazing thing happened. They went to a restaurant. That's not amazing. You're thinking, that's not amazing, Kieran. But they went to this restaurant and, you know, getting served by the waitress there. And she says, oh, you're English. Where are you from? And uh, I'm not going to do the American accent anymore. It was so bad last time. Where are you from? And I said, well, we, we live in Sussex. She goes, oh, Sussex. Yeah, I know Sussex. And uh, here's what she said. She said, I used to work in KFC in Burgess Hill. <laughs> so they're in a place called San Clemente on the coastline south of Los Angeles. They go into a restaurant. Oh, I know Sussex. I used to work in KFC in Burgess Hill. Put your hand up if you've been in KFC in Burgess Hill. Okay, put your hands down. You will need to go back and have vegetables now for the rest. <laughs> you know? One of your five a day, KFC. What are the chances of that? And they said, no way. That's where we go to church. Now, I don't know the full extent of their conversation. Where is God going to take you and me this week? Where we can carry the cross. Maybe, like me, you're reluctant. Simon of Cyrene, I think he was reluctant, but probably saw something of the abuse, the spitting, the way Jesus responded to the women he met along the way, the way when he was crucified. Just a few verses on it says that he says, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they do. And that led, maybe, he lingered at the cross to a point where he thought, this man is more than just a criminal being crucified. Maybe he heard the centurion say, surely this man was the son of God as he gave up his life. Maybe he felt the earthquake. Maybe he heard the curtain being torn in two in the temple. Maybe he realized that people rose out of their graves as the gospel tells us. Maybe a few days later, he heard the amazing reports that this man, Jesus, rose from the grave. And somehow we carry, I carry this message, I can't help it. So tip, I did a talk on this once. If you think, God, how do I do that? Pray a bit, say a bit. Oh, you know, Lucy, write that down. <laughs> Pray a bit, say a bit. So I'm just like, God, you know how shy I am and reluctant I am to speak. I know you laugh at that, but I'm actually an introvert. I don't, 
I don't find it easy in social situations. I force myself because I think, God, you can help me with this. So I pray a bit. I say, God, somehow help me to find some words where I can say a bit about you. Do you I reckon it's, what's it, seven weeks till Christmas? I just want you to think for a moment. Is there anybody that I could pray for, that I could invite in here for carols at King's? Because you've got time to pray. You know, we've got seven weeks. Two of my good friends came last year who do not do church. I was more surprised than anybody that they decided to come. Don't even think, I'm not even sure I invited them. I think they just told me they were coming. That's how much God realizes I need help. Who is it that God's maybe going to put in your heart? You know, on, your, on your chairs, there's a couple of leaflets. One is this sort of stay curious leaflet. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I want to find out more. Well, Tuesday night, some of us are meeting at the Francisco Lounge in Hayward Heath. We're just going to have a drink. If people, you know, some people coming who don't know God, who want to explore. I said, well, look, meet us there. We're going to talk a bit about Alpha. Just say hello. If you like the look of the people that are there, come back. If not, don't. Because you don't want to be with a load of weirdos on a course, do you? I don't. I'm hoping no weirdos show up. So if you're watching this and you're weird, please don't come on Tuesday night. You know, I live in my own little bubble, you know. Don't pop it. So you might carry that and just think, hey, talk to somebody, just give them that. The other one is a little card about services that we have here on a Sunday. So Dan and the guys, I wonder if you can come up. I've said enough. But I want us to just to have a moment where we can just pray and reflect. To linger at the cross. Would you pray with me? invite you in your hearts and minds to reflect on the cross. To imagine the, the hostile crowd, the jeers, the abuse, maybe the crowd spitting and slapping as Jesus stumbled by. Maybe reflect on his mercy towards those who were brutally executing him. God in human flesh nailed to a tree. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men, women to myself. 
And then that moment when they hoisted him upright. The agony. The robbers either side hurling abuse. The darkness of those moments. The physical darkness coming over the land. Jesus cries from the cross, my God, my God, why have you left me? And then when he's taken it all, him saying it's finished, giving up his spirit. Jesus, we thank you. You took it all for us. We thank you, God, that no one is a lost cause. Not even that thief that turned to you on the cross next to you. Humanly, without hope. I thank you for the hope there is through your death, Jesus, and your resurrection. If you're listening to this or watching this and you've never given your life to the Saviour, do it now. Ask him to forgive you. Give yourself to him. And now in just these moments, God, we ask you to help us to know where you want us to carry the cross to. Today, this week, this month. Maybe somebody that you put in our heart to think, do you know I'm going to invite them to Carols at Kings? Father, we, well, I know my limitations, God, but I know that you can do immeasurably more than I ask or imagine. So help us, we pray. God, I thank you we work with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.